Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Bulls on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I'm joined by my dude Goose, aka Bull Scripted, and we are here six days away from the NBA draft on November 18th. And we have a lot of rumors to unpack and talk about. We have to talk about some prospects that were interviewed, all that stuff. But before we do, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at ontapsportsnet, at Bulls on Tap. Follow my dude Goose at Bulls Scripted. Follow me at Buzz on Tap. Goose, crack them. The draft is six days away and... Last time we recorded, I still feel we're in the same boat where we have no idea what the hell is going to happen, and it's a good yet terrifying feeling at the same time. Yes, sitting in the dark without a nightlight, it's a little scary sometimes, man. I, I gotta be honest, um, I'm struggling a little bit to like get a feeler on what we're doing. We're interviewing and working out players like Halliburton and Kira Lewis Jr., which good prospects but they're not top five prospects so are we are we trading back are we trying to make people think we're trading back are we interviewing every point guard to make people think we want a point guard when we really want edwards like what the fuck are we doing i'm i don't know how to answer that because i i thought the same thing and you know I've, I've talked to a lot of people that are really into halliburton man they're really into him and i'm not i'm not and I not at four, okay. Like if we traded back and brought him in, maybe, okay. But but I'm not I'm not I'm not with it, dude. I'm not with it. When I'm thinking about this fourth pick here, I'm I, I'm basically what I'm doing is I am taking the reports. I'm being selective with my reports that it's going to be Lamelo Ball or Anthony Edwards or something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I I started watching some Edwards film, like even more Edwards film, and I already knew he was a G. Like, let's just keep it real here. He's a very good basketball player. He's got a lot of talent. And I kept thinking about him next to Kobe, and it just excited the shit out of me a little bit, you know. Um, but there's just so much to unravel here. So basically, why don't we get into this? So obviously the reports come out from our guy Casey Johnson yesterday, and I believe Rob Schaefer was on a couple of them on Twitter as well, Goose. Saying, uh, talking about how Tyrese Halliburton interviewed with the Bulls and worked out for the Bulls. Now, I'm still like a little bit confused on these workouts, and because I haven't seen anybody saying that they're in person. Do you have any clarifications on that, or are these are these like Zoom workouts? Do you know or no? So, as far as I'm aware, to my greatest knowledge, each team is allowed to have ten in-person workouts. You only get 10. So if you got two picks and you feel like working out a whole bunch of second round picks, well, probably not going to do that this year. You're going to have to go strictly off of film and feel and your scouts reports. Um, because in past years, if you watch the Bulls Twitter around draft time, they're sending out these workout photos of guys you might not ever see in the NBA, but they have multiple players all come in at once, scrimmage together, work out together, run through drills together, kind of like a mini team practice. That way, it's a more comfortable environment. It's not all, hey, all the pressure's on you, da-da-da. That's that's not the scenario this year. You're not having groups of players come in. You're going to secluded sites where a player has been working out for the offseason and they're staying there for the particular reason of keeping themselves safe. Uh, and you're having top executives that have taken COVID tests and 
you know, given negatives and they're going in and they're sitting down and they're getting to view this prospect. Um, I don't believe, like I said, I'm going off of my general knowledge that I've acquired from articles and Twitter and ESPN, nothing fully verified here, but as far as I'm aware, they're not like coming to the advocate center currently. The Bulls front office is traveling to their destination where they've been working. Okay. Gotcha. Well, let's let's bring up these players that they have interviewed. Then, I mean, before we go, actually before we do that, let's finish Tyrese Halliburton thing. He said that he thought he'd be a good fit with um, Zach and Colby. He'd help take some pressure off of him. Halliburton's long. He's a long dude. It was you thinking like six five or something like that. He's a, he's long for a point guard. Um, you know, and, and like Colby is too as well. But I just don't see the fit there. I think that his jump shot is a little bit broken where it's not going to, and I know before everybody gets crazy and be like, Oh, you want LaMelo ball? You know, like, listen, chill. I get it. But I just think at four, I see a lot more talent to work with in, in ball than I do Halliburton. Not that I don't think he's going to be a, a, a rotational NBA player in his uh, career at some point. It's definitely possible. It's just at four, I can't wrap my head around it. Um, it's nice to think that he's going to be a fit here, but honestly, also, I don't want anything to do with Iowa state anymore. Just stay the fuck away from me with the Iowa State stuff. I'm like, see, I'm past that. I'm past that. I don't, I don't want that. So um, another interview that was reported that the Bulls had was with um, your guy, Isaac Okoro. Uh, and you're a big fan of him. And you talked about him not – I well, we talked about him a little bit on the last podcast, but I think you in depth talked about him two podcasts ago. Now, he's another exciting guy I think that would look really good next to um, – you know, next to Kobe White and, and Zach Levine, because he's strong enough. He's a strong kid. He, at six six, he's he's a small forward, but he's strong enough to guard these NBA threes and some small ball fours. At least that's what my perception is of watching his game. I think he has that that brute strength to be able to stop the small ball fours. Like, like think about a guy like Thad Young or something like that. Like that'll hit him with the fucking you know vet moves or whatever. But this kid will learn as he goes on. It's cool. So he's another one. So your thoughts on him getting interviewed? Because I'm actually pretty excited about that one because every mock draft I looked at, Goose, it looks like he goes from like the 6 to 10. Anywhere from 6 to 10 seems fair for Okoro. I have seen him kind of go up on some boards too, but that it seems to be the general consensus. So once again, to your point you brought up before, are they looking to trade back? Before I dive into Okoro, I got to touch on Halliburton before I get into that. And the irony of this situation, the comps out there for Halliburton are Lonzo Ball and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, neither of which I'm personally buying into. When you watch him play, yeah, you already touched on his jump shot. I don't want to beat that to a pulp. He has trouble dribbling in the half court. He gets turned around on the perimeter and has to dribble with his back to the defender. If the Bulls are confident in building in Zach Levine and Zach's our guy, we're giving him a max. I don't even have to see him play under Billy Donovan, and I'm setting this mindset. This is what we're doing. Zach becomes extension eligible. He's getting his contract. This is the direction we're going. I could see where trading back for Halliburton gives you the 20, 21-year-old Sadoransky, and maybe he could be what Sato was supposed to be. The guy who is a great off-ball threat that can facilitate an offense is a good playmaker, can take some of that responsibility off of Zach where his decision-making is questionable at times. And then you have that off-ball presence that, at least in college, 
had NBA range with the funky shot, but shot over 40% from three-point on volume shooting. He's not a good off-the-dribble shooter, not really a great creator, but if you plan on building around Zach Levine, I could see that fit. Now, similar with Isaac Okoro. He is my favorite prospect in this draft in terms of fit next to Kobe or Zach. Whoever the Bulls see as that player going forward, he does everything else but shoot the three. Uh, his shot mechanics are more so inconsistent than extremely flawed, and I feel that that raw talent is easily moldable into something that could be. And when you watch the kid, maybe I just I, – I miss Jimmy Butler deeply, and my subconscious is just like, he's Jimmy Butler – but when you watch his style of play, the way that he gets his points, attacking the rim, drawing fouls, finishing at either side of the hoop, being an above-average playmaker for his position with an above-average handle, he has the ability to be a secondary playmaker in your offense, dribble, drive, and kick, and he's that elite perimeter defender that we're probably going to lose in Chris Dunn. So I'd be psyched with Okoro at four. If Ball, Edwards, I'll go you know, in the top three, I'm actually more comfortable with Okoro than Abia, but that's just my personal thing. It's a fair take. It's a fair take. And the reason I, I kind of agree, I don't know if I agree necessarily, but where I see your point, I guess I should say, is that Denny has some concerns of lateral quickness. And if you look at Okoro's game, he obviously, I mean, look, look at him east to west, man. He's quick. He's quick and he's strong. And obviously you get to see that. Um, I think it is a real big toss-up with them, but for some reason, I don't know if it's just because I've been, you know, I've wrote about Denny even when before um, this, you know, COVID took out the regular season. We knew we were in the lottery. We knew we were messed up. We knew we were bad. So you know, you start, you know, you start doing that dumpster dive into into prospects for the next draft. And I just like Denny's game. I like the playmaking ability that he shows. He just he has that. Oh God, he's got that like that unicorn shit possibly like where he's like going to be this guy that can like transcend your offense or he's going to be good for a couple years like Hito Turgaloo and then goodbye and that's where I'm kind of at with him I I wouldn't take him above Edwards even Wiseman and I've told you before I'm not I am not sold on Wiseman but I wouldn't take him above Wiseman I wouldn't take him above Ball you know I I struggled maybe even I like Killian Hayes and I told you that on the last pod I like Killian Hayes a lot too I like I like his offense I like his his demeanor but yeah, I kind of agree with you on Okoro. I've I've did a you know some deep diving on on film on him just because you're so high on him and you're right the lateral quickness, the attacking the rim, finishing at either side, that kid might be a problem if developed correctly. And um, he's a little raw right now, but I think that if developed correctly, like under a guy like fucking Pop or something, or, or even shit Billy Donovan, a good NBA head coach, I think can really you know help him out. Um, I know we've done a lot of prospect talking over the last couple weeks, but this is just something we have to get into now because we were talking about how Halliburton would fit next to Kobe and Zach, or we were talking about how Okoro would fit next to Kobe and Zach. Um, I know you saw the rumors that teams are inquiring about your boy, Zach Levine. So, that, I mean, that shit, that shit's going to be a real conversation that Bulls fans need to have with themselves or other Bulls fans because I'm seeing people getting pissed. I'm seeing people like, hell yeah, dude, you know, build up on the assets. And then you have a guy like me who's over here like, I don't want to see Zach go, but I'm trust, I'm trusting in Acme. 
If people don't know that, that's Arturis Cornersovis and Mark Eversley. I'm trusting in Acme. So whatever the fuck they do, man, I'm not I'm not bitching, Goose. I'm not going to. I'm just going to watch this. I'm going to watch it happen, and I'm going to respect it. And, you know, everybody gets one fuck up, you know. <laughs> so if they do it, I'm hoping it's worth their while. Um, I wrote an article for ONTAP Sportsnet today, and I was just kind of looking at a trade that might work because they said that Dallas was interested. So I kind of based the article around the Mavericks, and I was looking at a guy on expiring contract like Tim Hardaway Jr. coming here, expiring money coming off the books, getting you ready, prepping you for free agency 2021. Maybe bringing back a Jalen Brunson. I know you're going to make fun of me, but, you know, I always liked him. You know, and then, you know, you get their 18th pick. So you have the 4th and the 18th at that point, unless they decided to package to move up. So I know that's a lot to unbox here, but what do you think about those rumors, and is that something that you would potentially visit? Well, my my followers fluctuate on a daily basis depending on how much I talk about trading Zach Levine. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> literally, I, I can gain 10 people, and then I start talking about Zach Levine trades and just... This guy's an ass. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And and I get it. Like, And that's what I feel like some people that just started following me don't understand is I've advocated for Zach Levine for a long time. Before he came off the injury, I was hyping him up. And he's outperformed even my own expectations to this point. Granted, a lot of that has to do with the situation. I feel the Bulls are only trading Zach if LaMelo or Anthony Edwards falls in their lap. Maybe they maybe they value trading them. My personal feeling on that stance is I want them to trade up. I don't think they will. I think they're going to be somewhat conservative and content in the fourth pick, knowing that Denny Avdia is probably their worst case scenario, and maybe being content in that. That's not the approach I would personally take. You don't get a top five pick very often. If I got an opportunity to take a swing, I'm taking a fucking swing. But the Zach rumors, Dallas doesn't make sense for me. It really doesn't. Uh, the expiring. Can, can I ask you why? Can I ask you why? Because like I, I thought the same shit initially, right? I'm like, man, I'm like Dallas, and then I started to think about it a little bit more. Luka Doncic is a bad motherfucker. We both know this. Dude's dude's bad. Then you got a guy like Kristaps Porzingis. You got a big who can make it happen. Who's taking the pressure off of those guys? And this is a this is a thing that has been talked about time and time again and i don't want to admit it because i'm telling you i don't think it's i don't believe it to be true but they say that zach is the third best player on a winning team and we've seen that a lot of the time i know you've seen that like those uh, articles that have been out and reports that have been out or just whatever they they don't know if he's the one a guy well i after deep diving and looking at it i do think he'd be a decent fit over there i i you know i personally my concern doesn't come with the fit in Dallas. Oh, okay. My concern comes with the return that you could get. Oh, I thought Dallas. I misunderstood what you said. I thought it, you meant his fit. Uh, okay. No, no, his fit in Dallas is pride. Yeah. That's 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 where, you know, prime in Dallas, like, you know, future first, but future first from Dallas aren't going to be worth shit because Doncic is going to be there. Right. They're going to compete, so it's not going to be it's not going to be great. So even if you're getting 18th in a future 2021, which I think they no, they already owe that to the Knicks. So if you get a 2022, okay, well, they're probably only getting better from this point. This is Luka Doncic coming off the second year in the league, going into his third. He's only going to get better. They're only going to get deeper into the playoffs and higher in the seeding ranks to where you're getting a worse pick. So 
I don't really value their future firsts very much, and their current first is 18th. So if you're sending me expiring salary and Tim Hardaway Jr. and 18th or Zach Valine, I'm, I'm laughing at you and saying, no, Zach is more valuable to my team regardless if I draft the Lamelo Ball and their defense clashes like hell. I'd rather try to figure that problem out than give Zach Levine to you for a bag of potato chips. That's fair. That's fair. See, I I would understand why they would uh, they would definitely explore a trade option for Zach Levine. I would understand if they feel confident that they can set themselves for 2021 free agency and this move makes sense. Um, I'll, I'll tell you something, Goose. If it was another lottery pick, I'd be a lot more tempted than I am right now, if that makes sense. I, I, I would be a lot more tempted than I would – towards 18th and not that i'm not saying that there's going to be good players down there because you know just like i do you always find diamonds in the rough in these drafts but this draft this draft is such a crapshoot what do they say it's like 2013's draft when we didn't know what the fuck was going to happen kind of feels like that a little bit so it's just it's up in the air with me i'm fine with moving zach on um if the return is 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 good and i again i don't want to be a hypocrite because what i just said whatever acme does i'm gonna support because they, they, there's got to be a bigger picture here um you know but yeah so that's where i stand with that and then before but right before we started talking about this you mentioned about trading up so what do you think about the wendell carter jr shit and trading up to uh golden state i know you've seen it i've seen it and that's definitely intriguing uh, Wendell is a very good interior defender, but there's a guy, and I'm not overvaluing this guy, okay? So calm down. I'm not overvaluing him, but there's a really good guy coming off our bench, and Daniel Gafford that is a pretty decent interior defender, and who was slated to be a, a or slotted, I'm sorry, to be a lottery pick until he stayed for his sophomore year and then came out in the second round. For, for a lot of people, don't know why. Okay, so. Man, it's, it's weird jumping from Zach Levine trade, which I want to say I agree with you. I don't like the potential that Dallas offers. Trading Zach Levine for the right package, which will be hard to find because he falls right in the middle, is tough to do. And that was my bad misunderstanding. I thought you meant his fit with Dallas. I was like, damn, no, really? You don't no, like the fit? No, no. <laughs> his fit with Dallas is the most beautiful thing in the world. I'd be happy as hell for Zach Levine to land in Dallas. From a Bulls standpoint, I just don't see... Dallas bringing the best offer to the table for Zach Levine's situation. On the Wendell Carter front, though, you had Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz talking on the low post with Zach Lowe about, ultimately, do the Bulls want to trade up? Where do they value LaMelo? And it came up in conversation that, at least from the reports they're gathering from other teams, the Bulls value Lowry Markkinen over Wendell Carter Jr., and it's probably because of what you alluded to. We have Daniel Gafford on another three years worth of a contract at under $2 million a year. If you land somebody like LaMelo Ball, can you imagine lobs to Daniel Gafford all game? You're, obviously, you're sacrificing the perimeter skills on both sides of the floor. Gafford is not the versatile defender. He's not the stretch big. But you have Lowry Markkinen. In a league where you play small, which we're going to get to a question from uh, one of our followers later that pertains to this in a way, you have Lowry who probably should play situational five minutes for this team. Where you have Daniel Gafford for matchups that are unfavorable to Lowry, to teams that aren't moving towards small ball, and for the 
fucking jump ball to win the tip. So he gets ball in the first quarter and in the fourth. Other than that, big men are getting phased out depending on your matchup. There's some teams that play small as hell. There's some teams that play big as hell. And the teams that play big are more sparse. So if you're telling me fourth plus Wendell sounds like shit, it really sounds like shit because in this draft, I don't see many better prospects than Wendell. But as a Bulls fan, even if every single prospect that we've taken reaches your wildest dreams of potential, do you think we can afford to sign all of them? No, you're not going to retain all four of these players. And yeah, Zach Levine might be moving on, but chances are this Bulls front office is sitting in their war room and looking at their board and going, of these four players, one, who has the highest potential, and who's the other guy that we should retain? And at least the reports that are coming out are they favor Lowry Markkinen. So if you can get what you feel is a generational player, whether that's Edwards, Ball, or hell, even Wiseman, you're trading your center to move up. If you have more faith in Wiseman than anybody else, maybe that's your play. Well, I mean, a good, a good point about that, too, with if your faith is in Wiseman there. I mean, you are looking at two guys in Acme that had offenses on their teams built around the center position, and Nikolai Jokic and um, Joel Embiid, you know, uh, with Eversley over in Philadelphia and Jokic over in Denver. Um, I just, and I've told you this before, I'm not like the biggest Wendell guy, and I think he's all right. We were at the draft party together. We damn near cried on each other's shoulders when we drafted him because we were like, what are we doing? It had a little bit to do with the alcohol and a little bit to do that I was a fucking a complete Michael Porter Jr. stan. I'm not, I was, and I still am. I trade I trade for his ass right now, 100%. <laughs> you know, um, but I just, I would be okay. With, I, again, whatever they do, I, I know it just sucks to say that, but I'm in a different position than I've ever been in before. Like, I could fight Garpax on some moves, and I could like some of the moves that Garpax made. But, like, in this position, with these guys that come from, like, winning backgrounds and just how they carry themselves, I just, I won't question whatever they do. But in the aspect of you talking about they favor Lowry over Wendell, I do too. There's, like, one player on this active roster that I don't value Lowry Markinen over right now. It's Kobe White. Then that's that's where I sit, man. I that might not be a popular opinion, but game recognized game. Not that I have any game. I can drink beer like a motherfucker though. But Kobe White, that I think he has a chance to be a perennial All Star. I, I do, I do, and I think that for Lowry too. But if I had to guess who was more likely, I think it might be Kobe White. You know, I just right now where I sit, but I, I, I value um, Lowry Markinen over Wendell Carter Jr. And that's because I got to see what Lowry Markinen can do before he got mind fucked by Jim Boylan. No, I, I mean, I think you're dead on. And the, the point overall is you're not going to be able to retain all four of these guys. At some point, the draft pick that you get number four overall that you hope becomes a star is going to need a max contract. Lowry Markkinen is going into his contract year. Zach Levine has two years before he's sitting there waiting for a big bag of money that he didn't get the first time. And then he had to watch guys like Jamal Murray, who has well earned his contract and is a lot younger than Zach. But he had to watch guys that, at least at that point in time, he felt were lesser than him, get greater contracts than him, just because he fell in the wrong offseason and was coming off an ACL injury. So... No, if 
trading Wendell Carter is the sacrifice that you have to make to get a prospect that you are confident in being a top player on your roster, a top 20 player in the NBA, somebody you can actually fucking build around that we don't have, do it. You have to do it. You're not in the top five often enough. And I don't care about what the media says about this draft. If you're sold on either of those top three in that top tier, do it. Go get them. You don't get – exactly. Otherwise, we're just going to be riddling in mediocrity forever anyway. Zach Levine isn't a top 20 player. Not yet. Maybe he could be in the next couple of years, but do you find that out before you own a max? And even then, is does he ever crack the top 15, the top 10? So you have to take risks, and if that comes at sacrificing an asset that at least this front office has no attachment to, granted, I think Billy Donovan benefits Wendell Carter most of any player on this roster, if that's the sacrifice you have to make to get the player that you covet, you fucking do it. Yeah, you know, and, and speaking about being in mediocrity, so this is a good this is a good segue. And maybe it's not a good segue, but the beer is telling me it's a good segue. <laughs> Russell Westbrook. I heard some of the craziest shit I have heard in a long time as a Chicago Bulls fan. Um, and I know that's hard to believe because we've heard a lot of crazy shit being Bulls fans. But I frequent 670 to score when I'm on my way home from work. There's a couple Bulls podcasts I listen to, um, not a lot, uh, but there's one or two that I'll, I'll dive into and check out, and a couple of White Sox ones as well. That's as far as I go. Um, everybody be sure to check out the On Tap podcast, just quick plug. But anyway, they were talking about, Danny Parkins was on today, and he was saying that the Bulls should get Russell Westbrook, and he needed Matt Spiegel to talk him off the ledge because he wants the Bulls to be exciting. I texted in to the, to the line and shout out to Shane Reardon, who is one of the, um, he's like a boss over there. And we've had Herb on the show. I had to text Herb right away and be like, dude, I'm like, you need to cut this guy's mic off right now. We've been begging for how many years to get some sort of change around this motherfucker. And he's going to bring in Westbrook on a, what is that contract? The guy gets paid like $41 million a year. 41, 45, and then 47 in the final year. It makes my ass hurt just hearing that. Like, I don't, I, I don't, dude, I, I, I don't want that, bro. Like, that's something the Knicks would do. Like, that is that's a, they, it's a Knicks move. The Knicks are trying to do. Are, are they really trying, do you think? Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's already been connected. That was, even before Westbrook requested a trade out of Houston yesterday or the day before, whatever it was, the Knicks were linked to Westbrook. Same way they're linked to Chris Paul, trying to get that star in there. And I, I do want to say, and I tweeted about this last night, it is a positive. I get the perception of Westbrook right now is not great. He's a declining recent MVP. He's ball dominant, can't shoot, is, you know, not, not the answer. But last year, if we would have heard that Russell Westbrook wanted to come play for Jim Boylan, we would have been doing a rain dance in like, I don't know, making sacrifices because <laughs> that, that, that shit would have been unfathomable. Killed a so, baby lamb, man. 
So I have to say, to be able to turn my nose in a recent MVP that's done historic things like average a triple-double for two seasons, it feels good to be able to just go like, nah, I don't want that guy. He's on the contract that I didn't want to give Jimmy Butler, and he's never proved to me other than those statistical seasons that he got MVP for that he's any different than Jimmy Butler. He's a guy you're going to pay that money to that's not going to win you a championship. So I think the Billy Donovan connection is why that is so relevant. And I guess, and I tweeted about this earlier as well, if if you can trade Felicio, Otto Porter Jr., and a sign-and-trade of Chris Dunn for Russell Westbrook, fuck it, do it. But that's another move that tells you I'm invested in Zach Levine. I want somebody that's going to take the ball out of Zach's hands but also enable him to do what he's best at. And if you can get a 32-year-old recent MVP who might be Chris Paul this year. Last year, you had Chris Paul in this situation where teams were like, oh, shit, I got to set Paul and a whole bunch of picks to get Westbrook. And now they're going to send Westbrook out and hope that they don't have to send more picks just to get off his contract. Because he wants out of there. So... You can send Felicio Otto Porter Jr. on an expiring in a second or a signing trade to Chris Dunn. I'd be all right with it. But but I'm not giving up anything of value. I saw somebody tweet, does uh, Lowry Markkinen, number four, <laughs> Kobe White, get Westbrook to Chicago? Fuck yeah. They buy the plane that he flew on here and give it to the Bulls as a present because that would be insane. That'd be a robbery. So... I understand that Westbrook, okay, he, he's, he was an MVP, all right? He played really good, no doubt about it. What I've noticed about Russell Westbrook is he has a – no matter the assists that he had, no matter the, the numbers, whatever you want, whatever, he has a hard time involving his teammates. And that is something that scares me in a system where I look at, like, Denver's system or even Philadelphia's system – because, I mean, let's be real here. That's where our two Acme came from, are those two cities. I just don't know if he necessarily fits into that. And I know he played with Billy Donovan, and Billy knows him the most. I just... Setting yourself up for 2021 free agency does not warrant going to get Russell Westbrook. If that's what your plan is. But why doesn't it? Who on our roster would attract another top 20 player more than Russell Westbrook would? It's just, a good, just, it's a good point. Just in general, it's a good so point. Like, so I get exactly where you're coming from. I have extremely mixed feelings, and I do not want the Bulls to go after Westbrook unless he's coming for damn near free. But if you could take on that shitty contract, make him put lipstick on the pig, like happened to Chris Paul and OKC last year. You know, he accepted his role, did his thing, and now OKC is about to trade him for positive value. If you can do that while eating a shit year of that contract and just getting him for free, what what are you really hurting? Do you think you can turn it into a positive, though? I think you can either turn it into a positive or turn turn him into a lure that brings somebody else in, either short-term or maybe his fit with Zach Levine ends up being flawless. Maybe it's, you know, you don't know until you bring him in, but the Bulls have never had anybody in recent history that averages 10 assists a game, even if they look like a selfish 10 assists. So, like, 
taking the ball out of Zach's hands predominantly and putting it in an, in an MVP's hands, who has been to Western Conference Finals and deep into the playoffs and has done these things at least, maybe for this team that's not the worst thing if you get him for damn near free. Does that scare you about Kobe White's opportunities? No, because I still think Zach Levine would end up getting traded if you get Westbrook because Zach's more ball-dominant and Kobe's at least, like, off-ball. He's off-ball and he's on a rookie contract for three years. Right. So you get Westbrook on a three-year contract. You have Kobe White on a three-year contract. You either trade Westbrook as an expiring contract before you extend Kobe and hand him the keys, but you give Kobe time to learn the point guard position behind an MVP point guard. So... As much as I don't want the Bulls to do it, I I can talk myself into it in the right situation. Okay, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Well, again, now we're six days away from the draft. Um, I haven't decided whether or not we were going to do a pre-draft show or if this was the pre-draft show and then we go live an hour before the draft on Wednesday with the Bull, uh, with the whole Bulls on tap on tap crew. Um, which will be like Justin and, and Matt Berklin and uh, Bulls guy Rob. If anybody wants to join in on that with us, anybody that listens to this show, tweet at us, shoot us a DM, either uh, Goose or myself, and you know we'll try to work in a couple people to hang out with us to watch that because it's, it's going to be a great night. It's going to be super fun. But let's get into these fan questions. Do you have them pulled up or do you need me to pull them up? I can pull them up in a split second. Here. In a split second. In a split second. So our first question. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I didn't know how fucking quick you were gonna find it. Found it fucking real oh, quick. Oh no, I can be quick, boss. Uh, so <laughs> the first question that we have is one that I alluded to earlier, and it is from Rob at RCINC3. Do you think Lowry could excel at the center position? Looking back at back at his EuroBasket videos, it looks like he plays exclusively at center with his national team. He loves the block in those videos, and looking back at some of his best games here, it's when he plays inside out. So I will let you run with that lead-in and tell me your thoughts on that. So it's a fun question with Lowry at the center position. So defensively, he struggles, but what Goose said earlier is like the the game is being phased out of bigs. It's been doing that for a long time. There's a couple dominant ones in the league. You got your Cats, your Jokic, your Embiid's. You got shit like that. It's totally fair. Um... I will, however, agree with you that his best game is when he does play inside out, slashing to the rim. You know that them being worried about him trying to do that, moving without the ball, get you know going off the block, you know hitting little floaters, attacking the paint, and then when that game is working, simultaneously the same game that's working is his outside shot. So they don't know how to stop him. That's when the confidence comes in. So offensively, I have no problems with Lowry Markkinen playing center. Um, it, it it does it can work, um, however defensively it's a it's rocking a hard place. He's uh he's not the biggest fan of contact down on the block when he's playing center um, defensively there. And we've seen that we've seen cases of that. Now he's a jacked motherfucker. Lowry's a big dude, but it's just not his game. But offensively, what a, where I agree with you is the inside out game. I don't know if he can excel at center or not, but However, Billy Donovan decides to use him this year will be definitely very interesting and also might be one of the key reasons that you're seeing Wendell Carter being linked in trade rumors. So I'll, I'll, no. let, I'll let you roll with that too, Goose. Um, I'm going to touch on 
the national team portion of this because I love watching Lowry play for Finland's national team. He does play the five predominantly. He will still bring the ball up the floor like a point center. He plays the mid post. Some of the passes that you see from Denny Abdia that get you excited from playing in the post are things that you see Lowry do uh, when he plays for Finland. And a lot of it is because in Europe, Lowry is the tallest, most athletic motherfucker on the floor. So it's easy for him to do that, especially when he's on the block with a guy that's 6'8", and he's seven foot, and he just looks over his head and dumps the pass off. So I do think some of that is minimized in the NBA because the talent and the athletes are a lot greater, which we see. We watched Lowry get ripped trying to post up Zach uh, in the Bulls scrimmage. So I have my trepidations, but at the same time, a lot of instances in the middle of a game, you will have situational places where Lowry could play the five. Last year, I hated that Jim did not play Thaddeus Young and Lowry Markman four or five more. He hurt Thad by not giving him enough minutes. He hurt Lowry when Thad was good because he refused to play them together. If you have a power forward like Thaddeus Young, who's a great interior player as well as Lowry Markman, you can make it work situation. Lowry is still seven foot. Lowry has multiple games with 15 plus rebounds in his career already. He is capable. And I hate when I hear fans say, well, Lowry sucks at rebounding. And then they'll go and they'll compliment somebody like Pascal Siakam, whose career high in rebounds is Lowry's career average from the power forward in rebounds. So I think Lowry's underrated in that aspect. And I think the confidence is the key for him with Jim Boylan, who's Taken out of the game mentally, physically. Like I said, mind fucked. He was mind fucked with it. Yeah, no, yeah, he was mind fucked. And I, I would like to throw out just for, for everybody to know, this is the bulls on tap word of the week. It's new. It's trepidation, a feeling of fear or agitation about something that may happen. Justin, you, you, you had to Google that shit. You didn't know what that was. <laughs> no, I didn't have to Google it, but I did. <laughs> you used a big fucking word, and my brothers listen to this podcast, and I guarantee you, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> Not bad, man. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the whiskey brings out the the, the sophisticated side. Of you. I don't know what to tell you. you fucking get all you're dropping these big words and shit. I'm like, oh my god, I, I don't know if people know what trepidation means. I had to go back in the mind bank for a minute and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> like fucking trepidation, man. All right, we got an. <laughs> that's fun. We have fun. Is you got another question from anybody? Hey, well, our man Rob. Uh, decided to drop us a second question following us first, and he said, any chance you think the point guard talk is in this draft is smokescreen for an outside-of-the-box pick like Toppin? I sure the oh. hell hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like, what do you want me to say to that? I sure the hell hope not. I, I, I'm on right. I'll eat crow if I'm wrong, dude. I'll chug pickle juice. I don't give a fuck. We'll revisit this in a bulls on tap in two or three years when we're sitting in a penthouse somewhere because it's the fucking best bulls podcast out there. Anyway, sorry, humble brag. That wasn't really humble at all. But Obi Toppin is not going to be good. I don't see it with Obi Toppin. And but what I mean by good, good I mean good. I, I mean top four good, man. I don't think he's top four good. Can he be a rotational player? Yes. I don't think he's going to be some transcendent fucking starter that's going to be on a championship team. I don't see it. I don't see it. And people are looking at his percentages. He shot the ball point nine fucking times. Like, I'm not worried about it. Like, it's... 
I sure the hell hope not, Rob. I, I, you know, I'm not meaning to yell at you either, my friend. I just get so mad about this top and shit because I don't want to draft a tweener <laughs> at four. I don't want to draft a fucking tweener at four. I just I can't wrap my head around it. And I refuse to. All right. Well, I'm gonna do Rob a favor, and I'm gonna take topping out of his question for him, and just touch on the smokescreen aspect of this. That's a good call because I got really mad. My face got red. <laughs> you look like you're gonna throw up as I finish reading the question on camera. But, <laughs> but we're gonna take Toppin out of the equation. Could the Bulls be leaking this point guard information to throw people off the scent? Maybe they want Edwards to fall in their lap. Maybe they want Minnesota to think that they covet Lamelo, so they're having private workouts and trying to entice them into moving up. Because we know Golden State doesn't want Lamelo either. They're more likely to take Edwards than they would be LaMelo, at least from where I sit. So maybe, maybe it is smokescreen. Maybe the Bulls like Wiseman. Wiseman's the only motherfucker we haven't heard a damn thing about since the lottery, where you had Will Perdue and Kendall Gill talking about trading Wendell Carter in fourth to move up for Toppin. And not Toppin, for Wiseman. Now, now, now we got Toppin on the brain. Damn it, Rob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, but no, it is very possible it's a smokescreen. Maybe the Bulls covet Edwards and not Ball. Maybe they cover Wiseman and not Ball or Edwards. Uh, the fact that the Bulls have worked out Halliburton and Lewis Jr. kind of would say no, maybe it's not smokescreen. But at the same time, this draft is so weird that the mind game could be, I have 10 workouts I can do. If I give five or six of them to point guards, they think that I'm getting rid of Zach Levine or Kobe White, that I'm not sold on one of these guys, that I'm looking for a point guard and only a point guard. Yeah, that's and? super fair. That's super fair because all we've been hearing late, or not lately, but I mean, since, you know, the whole COVID thing ended the Bulls season in March was the Bulls are looking for an established playmaker or they're looking for a playmaker in the draft. So that's totally fair. It could be smokescreen type shit. Um, I just and I, if not, I don't think they're just is. every other team that covets the shit out of Lamelo Ball because he's probably the best prospect in this draft. Yeah, I I die on that hill, and I know a lot of people don't like that, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's gonna suck, blah 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 blah, it's whatever. And I'm just like, dude, like that's just just watch him, watch his game. Not and not only the fact that kids been playing against grown men, yeah, albeit they're not as good as you know the grown men that are in the NBA, but he's been playing against grown men since he was sixteen. He's been in the fucking spotlight since he was a freshman at Chino Hills. I mean, there's you know there's a lot of pluses with Lamelo Ball's game, and yeah, the shot needs to be fixed a little bit. But you know what? I think that those those ball kids, besides the middle one have a lot of determination. <laughs> the one that can actually shoot, yeah, the one, believe it or not. Right, the one that can actually shoot, right. It's got an actually decent form. But, I mean, look at look at Lonzo when he, he adjusted his shot. Before COVID in the bubble, Lonzo looked like a different player in New Orleans. He did. That's exactly why the Pelicans are trading Drew Holiday and not Lonzo Ball. A hundred, you, got, you see, you beat me to it. That's exactly why there's a high ceiling. And I actually think, not defensively, and me and you talked about this on the last podcast. Lonzo was on the brink of being an all all defenseman. He I mean, he's a great defensive point guard as well. But he was not at Chino. He was no. just as bad as Lamelo. Right. 
I think that it's in him to learn it, and I think that LaMelo's offensive game is better than Lonzo's offensive game at this point in their life. Like where Lonzo was as a 19-year-old compared to where LaMelo is as a 19-year-old, I think that LaMelo's offensive game and court vision is a bit better than his brother's. And Lonzo coming out of fucking UCLA, that's what everybody talked about was was his passing, his court vision. He was a beast. I think LaMelo's playmaking is on a completely different level. They both Oh, you think he's the, leaps and bounds better? I think he's leaps and bounds better in terms of an overall playmaker. In transition, Lonzo might still be better. And that was Lonzo's bread and butter was he shoots 40% from three, and he's going to pass the ball to the next man up every single time he gets the ball, and he's going to push your offense. He's going to get you easy baskets. Okay. LaMelo has that with the advanced skills of being able to break down a defense in the half court without a fucking shot yet. Like, he has an inconsistent shot that, well, I guess at least in, you know, the European League, he was able to cast up and could probably draw attention. But his half-court game, in terms of being a playmaker, is so much better than Lonzo's. His live ball dribble and just his creativity that just comes out of nowhere is, is leaps and bounds to me better than his brother. Now, obviously, the shooting percentages, and we'll see if he takes the same defensive leap that Lonzo took uh, after going to an established program in UCLA as opposed to a team in Australia that he was going to buy two months later. We will see if he takes that step, and if he doesn't, maybe Lonzo ends up being the better player overall. But for one skill, the Mellow's got it. It's totally fair. Totally fucking fair. I totally get that. So I know we have a couple more, but we're going to hit one more question here and not to, you know, upset anybody, but this is comes from J J knowledge dropper. All right. J, <laughs> J knowledge. Drop dropper. some, drop some bombs. J yeah, drop them on us. Yeah. I want, I want the bombs drop boy. Uh, will bulls make, <laughs> will bulls make B Serious contenders in East in future with at least three of Kobe Levine, Kobe Levine, Lowry, WCJ number four pick, or will they need new group to get there via trade slash bottoming out? Hmm. I don't. Okay, so, so pretty much what he's saying is, do you think the Bulls can be contenders? Yes, with just three of the five. Okay, or will they bottom out? take somebody like Cade Cunningham next year if they get lucky in the lottery? Right. Or will they have to trade more than two of these assets to bring somebody else in to be legitimate contenders in the East, which the Celtics have done since drafting Jason Tatum. So I don't know that it's that hard. Right. It's not that hard. Um, in this aspect, I three of Kobe, Levine, Lowry, I think that they could be a playoff team and a serious contender with Kobe, Lowry, and the fourth pit and even you know what i will say i i do i do i know i said i didn't like wendell carter jr earlier but i think that they could be a threat i don't know about a serious contender i do think that they need to take that potential talent that they have right now and make some moves and make something worthwhile happen um because i don't know with the core that's there like this is an nba 2k where everybody fucking progresses a couple you know a couple points ever after every season you know there, there's trials and tribulations that constantly happen within the nba and a starting lineup of kobe zach levine Otto porter jr lowry markinen and wendell carter jr is not going to be I, that's not a championship squad 
at least in my mind now, and I know that's ignorant to say because they're all very, very young, but it goes back to Goose's point earlier, who can you retain by paying? And at this point in where they're at, they're just, that's not it. That you can't pay everybody, that's not it. So I think that moves are going to be need to be made. I don't want to say bottoming out, though. I don't want to fucking bottom out. <laughs> I mean, you know, Kay Cunningham, man, I mean, that'd be dope as fuck. But I think that there's, I think there's a, there's a bed there that's made. And you can make a couple adjustments to it to make it better. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's where the Bulls are going to be coming in with Arturis and, and Mark Eversley. I think they're going to take some of the young talent that's on this team, but they're going to build off it by adding young talent. And I do see them getting ready for a 2021 free agency to add somebody who's already established within the NBA. So maybe three of those guys will still be on the team between you know the ones that you mentioned, Kobe, Levine, Lowry, WCJ, or the fourth pick. I mean, yeah, I guess. It just depends on who they add. It's just so hard to say because I don't know where the fuck they're going with anything. No, ironically, you, like you said, I feel like we answered this question earlier before even bringing it up. The reality is if all four and five, including this fourth pick, reach the potential that we individually hope for them, you're not going to be able to pay all that. It's not bird rights, luxury cap. It don't mean you can – you're not going to be able to retain – for above-average rotational players that make over $15 million a piece a year. It's just, it's not going to happen. So the answer to the question for me is no. I think that two of the five is likely. I think you're looking to get two out of the five that you have to be on that level to bring in that piece that you were talking about. Definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. So with that being said, that was the last question we'll take. Um... I wanna, I wanna record Tuesday before the draft. I think it's something that we should do a pre-draft show. Um, so I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep our what we want and what we think will happen until Tuesday's show. I know today's Thursday, but this this is what we said in the beginning of November. This is draft month. Goose and I are back in full force, and we're not. You're not gonna have to wait long. We're not gonna have even if anybody didn't listen to this. If we're talking to ourselves, it is what it is. Actually, let's build on that. We're not talking to ourselves because I did want to throw out there to everybody that does listen to this podcast that Goose and I have done seven. This would be the 72nd episode of Bulls on Tap, I believe. So that's 72 episodes that we've done of Bulls on Tap. We went through COVID, did a few of them. But we recently, over the last two, and I got to tell Goose about this last time, uh, but I did not tell you guys to thank you. So after 71 episodes, technically, well, actually, technically 70. After 70 episodes, we hit 10,510 listens on this show. After 70 episodes. That's uh, you know, that's awesome. A lot of these episodes, too, which were after games. And sometimes off of back-to-backs. And, you know, like, so you guys listen. During tanking seasons. Yeah, during tanking seasons. So the fact that we've done set this is our 72nd episode and we're up at you know 10.5k all-time listens on this show i'd like to really fucking thank everybody that listens to this because goose and i are just a couple dudes that met on twitter after he yelled at me about a bad take and then we went to a draft party together got hooked up became good friends and you know met the, well, met the fam well, drank some beers and take, what was that did i yell at you about i don't even remember that uh you yelled at me okay hang on so you yelled at me <laughs> <laughs> you yelled at me about a jerry and grant take it was a jerry oh, so 
So so it was valid. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I was I was totally playing Homer. And was just like, you know, it's Horace's kid. We got to give him a shot. Just let him play it out. And you're Horace's like, nephew. you're nephew. like, Buzz, this dude fucking sucks. <laughs> He's, like, you didn't say it. You're always nice on how you talk. You didn't say it like I would say it. But I was just trying to like do that that silver linings, like it's gonna be okay, shit. And you're like, no, this dude fucking sucks. So that was like the first interaction we ever had. But yes, you yelled at me, and then we, be, you know, obviously. You know, I, I stood my ground where I'm like, oh, yeah, well, fuck you, guy. And, you know, all of a sudden <laughs> we're we're having drinks with, with our boy Juice at the draft party. Getting messed Not up. about and, Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah and, then, yeah, and then crying about that. But, yeah, so 10.5, a little over 10.5K. This episode will put us right around, you know, 10, 8, 11K. So thank you guys very much for listening to the podcast for this long and it's just going to get better from here because I really do think that the bulls are going to make some fucking things happen with this new, uh, new front office. And obviously Billy Donovan and being our head coach, you got anything to add to that goose before we ride out in the sunset here? No, just that we appreciate each and every listen that you guys bring to us. We're just in Joe Schmoes trying to have some fun talking sports like most of you like to do. So, Reach out to us, ask us questions, get involved with the show. That way you can feel included while you're listening. Uh, and we hope to keep growing this thing because whether you like listening or not, we're going to keep talking. 100%. 100%. One friendly reminder, everybody, if you do want to join us on the Zoom call that will be live streamed off the Bulls on Tap Twitter, off of my Twitter, and off of Goose's Twitter, Shoot us some DMs, hit hit us up in the replies under this episode, let us know, and we're going to fit in a couple people to join the whole Bulls on Tap crew. Goose and I are the voices of the podcast, but we have great writers at On Tap Sportsnet. We have Matt Berklin, Rob Wegley, Nikhail, Justin Wasik. We have a bunch of great writers over there. Kevin Gora, I don't want to try not to forget anybody, but we have a bunch Josh of Josh J. Hoops. Yep, Josh J. Hoops. Forgot about Josh J. Hoops. How can I forget about Josh? 16-year-old from New Zealand who's... Opinionated little motherfucker, but he's got. I'll tell you what, credit where credit is due. That, that dude is a he's a smart dude, and I would like to get him on this show here very soon. But be sure you join us for the draft next Wednesday. We'll be back with a draft preview show on Tuesday, and that might be a little short one of just us saying what we think's going to happen and what we you know and what we want to happen. So everybody, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Bulls on Tap at Ontap Sportsnet. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. So be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. We'll be back Tuesday. We'll be here live Wednesday for the NBA Draft. Let's go Bulls.